Hello, Woodlane community. This is Pastor Brian, and you are listening to the Woodlane Worship Podcast, episode 076. If you are listening to this, you are an honorary member of our community where we seek to bring the presence of Christ to those around us. On this week's episode, we begin the season of anticipation, waiting on Jesus' birth at Christmas. In that time, we often hear Christmas carols throughout the day, whether on the radio, in the store, at church. These songs, when we really think about them, can offer us something real to get us through the stress that often comes with the Christmas season. This week, we check out the story of those who knew the stress behind waiting. Not waiting in a checkout line, but more along the lines of waiting for news from a doctor or waiting for a loved one to come home from across the world. Not the easiest situations, but as we sing O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, we learn that the wait will be worth it. Check it out. Waiting rooms. So much fun. So much joy in such a place. Often under stress, often under worry. And there seems to be this direct relationship between the length and the stress of the wait and the quality of the vending machine and the quality of the Wi-Fi connection in the waiting room. The more stressful and the longer you're there, you realize the vending machine only has pork rinds. Sorry if you like pork rinds. And there is absolutely no connection to the outside world. And if you are one who brings books, you get to page the last. Throw in a few characters sitting there, and it can become just this cesspool of stress hormones going on. Believe it or not, characters in the Bible understood this just as much, maybe even more than any emergency room patient. And it's in this season of Advent, of waiting, that we experience a bit of that. Because this is a season of anticipation, a season of anticipating coming. That's what Advent really is referring to. And we'll kind of take that exploration by going through some of the Christmas carols that we often sing, either here or that you hear on the radio or in the stores. Carols that are far more than nice poems written to a well-known melody, but carols that tell us a little bit of that story of who this God is that we wait for. We see it in the first part of the passage. We're going to look at uh, the story out of Matthew 1 today. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. And from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations. And from the deportation to Babylon to the Messiah, 14 generations. Yes, I admit I am saving myself the struggle of learning how to pronounce all those different names from Matthew 1 to Matthew 16. Well, it is this long genealogy of six-syllable names that so many people, when they read it, wonder, why this long genealogy? I said the other week how the good thing about the Bible is that it does not waste words, so why would it spend all those verses talking about these six-dollar names? Well, there's a lot more to it than what I'm going to dive into here. But suffice it to say for the point of where we're going today is that these people had a long wait. The genealogy, after all these 40-some-odd generations, ends at Jesus, the promised Savior. Many of you I know are familiar with the story. Now, let's think back for just a second about when God promised 
his people a savior. It's back in Genesis 3. When sin enters the world and Adam and Eve eat the apple, it takes God about nine verses to say, I'm going to make this right, to start hinting at a savior. And there are generations before the Matthew 1 genealogy starts up, but you have a long wait, going into the thousands of years until this promise gets fulfilled. Think about this. What is life like in a waiting room? I know many of you guys have (laughs) unfortunately been in a few, maybe, for various degrees of stressful situations. You get antsy. You get jittery, impatient. Time starts to move so slowly that you want to talk to the nurse attendant and say, can you check the batteries in the clock? Make sure they're actually working. Patience and goodwill are certainly not adjectives for such a scenario. Israel gets that. The people to whom God has made this promise. As they're in this waiting game, they play this ping pong match with God. Obey God, disobey God. Obey God, disobey God. Obey God, disobey God. Eventually, they have to pay the piper on those times when the ball is on the disobey God part. And they start getting overthrown by these empires who are just lining up to take over this little tiny nation. It would be on the scale, I don't know the exact mileage, but the scale is at least right. If Russia and China kind of took turns overthrowing Wayne County, I think Wayne County would be in a little bit of trouble. Many soldiers and servicemen as we have here in Wayne County, we would still be in a lot of trouble. That is the scenario. That is what Israel is waiting to be saved from. And the story continues. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah, after all that genealogy, the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When the mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they had lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Again, there is a lot going on here that I'm not even going to try to touch. I want to hang on to this, that I think as God is putting this out, to Mary, having these conversations, God wants Mary to be uber sure of what is going on. Because Mary and Joseph, they're, they're both Jewish. They know this story. They know about the overthrows. They know about the empires that lined up to kill them or to put them into exile, taking them away from their homeland. When Mary hears this idea, as she has probably from her, her parents and her grandparents and her great-grandparents before Here's this story of God promises a savior. I'm guessing she's got Braveheart in her head. A little anachronistic, but that she has this person who's going to save save them from the empires. I get that. She probably has this. In this particular time, she's probably looking for somebody to overthrow Rome because they've been oppressing the people. But God says, my plan is so much bigger. I'm not going to just deal with the empires. And to be sure, God would deal with them. I'm going to save people from their sins. I'm going to beat death itself. It's going to be a wild ride, 
getting there. I mean, this idea of, of conception is a bit unique. We read about Joseph's plan to divorce Mary. That would be a bad start to having your first child. Everything about God's plan has didn't see that one coming stamped all over it. And yet God says, the wait is going to be worth it. I promise you that. Why? Because all this took place to fulfill what, G- what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. This is Isaiah. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. See, God says, not only am I going to save people from their sin, that's what the name Jesus is talking about, Yahweh saves, but I'm not going to do it the way I've done it in the past. I'm not going to send a prophet. I'm not going to send an angel, cool as that would be. I'd like to be there. Mary's hopefully not getting used to this idea of angels visiting her family. God says, I'm going to come down there myself. I'm going to deal with this problem myself. That's what that word means that we sing about. O come, O come, Emmanuel. God is with us. God himself. That name, Jesus talks about what Jesus does. Yahweh saves. Emmanuel talks about who Jesus is. God with us. With skin on. Walking the dirt with us. Crying when he's hungry like we do. Maybe even dealing with a waiting room. Hopefully, I'm guessing with a little more patience than we do, but experiencing joy like we do, experiencing betrayal and hurt like we do. He is the one who brings help to the helpless. He is the one who brings life to the lepers. He is the one who brings destruction to the demons. And when we get the magnitude on which God is working, you know, Mary's vision of we just want somebody to overthrow Rome understandable as it would be, is so small. God says, I got such bigger plans in mind. And when we get the magnitude that God is working on, dare I say it, the waiting room becomes kind of a walk in the park, doesn't it? We were talking last week about the idea of, you might remember the illustration of the dot and the arrow. When we focus on the dot, we focus on just what is in front of us, what is, is happening in our life right now. Yeah, it can seem huge. But when we realize that God is working on eternity, all of a sudden that dot starts to have some perspective and starts to not overwhelm us quite the same way. But God didn't even stop there to say, I will come and be with you. He goes all the way to for the Christian to say, I am going to live in you. Paul writes later on after this story in 1 Corinthians 6, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, which you have from God? that you are not your own. God went beyond just, I'm going to walk the dirt. God said, I'm going to live in your heart. So what about when it is that we're in the waiting room? When we're the one, maybe even literally, in the waiting room. When we're the one not singing, but screaming, O come, O come, Emmanuel. What then? Well, I get that stress. Many of you guys, I mean, proverbially sat in that waiting room with us when Leah was born, before we could even get to the point of holding her. Many of you guys endured us realizing that buying your first house does not happen in one day as much as we would like. Hey, not everything that you wait for has to be bad. But here's some things that we can hang on to 
that can get us through when we're sitting in the waiting room. We can wait, remember, to wait in hope. As David says in Psalm 25, he says, Do not let those who wait for you be put to shame. Let them be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. See, our hope is based not on fantasy, but on reality. This story that we have documented, these promises that God has made, this action and the events that happen of that first Christmas, that doesn't just happen in the Bible. They're documented outside the Bible. When the high schoolers were here, I was reminding them, or telling them for the first time if they didn't know, that there are non-believers, people who had no interest in God at all, that would say, yes, this king existed at this time, and this person, Jesus of Nazareth, was born about this time, did these things, etc., etc., without even needing to believe in God. While it takes belief to receive the benefits of those promises, it does not take blind faith to see here is a God that's working. This hope that we have is based on reality, not on some drawn-up religious fantasy. Another thing we can hang on to is to receive his strength while you wait. It's one of those themes that I have, has grown more and more in my mind over these last couple of weeks and months, that God can be really, really creative in how God gets his work done. You may get strength while you're in the waiting room from a friend, from prayer, from the Bible verse that randomly pops up into your head at the right time, God may even use you to be the strength that helps somebody else out. And we could have a whole river full of those stories just from those in this room. Times when you guys have been the strength for somebody else. Certainly been the strength for us. So when you wait, wait expectantly. Because the wait will be worth it. One last thing we can hang on to is to remember that we are waiting on the one who keeps promises. Okay. We see it really throughout Scripture, but especially in Hebrews 10, the writer writes, Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. This is one of those things that we can glean from the Jewish culture that so much of this book comes out of, is that story to them is incredibly important. History is incredibly important. So when you read the Old Testament, you constantly hear people reviewing in their minds, all the times that God has been faithful, how he brought them out of Egypt, how he fed them in the wilderness, how he brought them to the promised land, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the track record just keeps going on. Well, the good news is that faithfulness is not limited to a time or to a culture. God has that faithfulness even now, today, for us, even though we don't come from that a Jewish culture, at least not ethnically that I'm aware of, in this room at least, remind yourself of those times you've seen God act and hang on to that. And this week kind of leads right into our next steps for this week. Okay, Hopefully you do this before you get in a waiting room because this is much, much easier when you are not under stress and under fire. But I want you to think this week of one time that you have seen God show up answered a prayer, came through when you needed, somehow led that friend to, to be there for you when you needed, even though they didn't know what the situation was. Whatever it is for you, come up with one time and really get it down.
I mean, to the point where you are smelling the smells in that environment, when you're hearing the sounds, I mean, really, almost to where you're, it's just, you're reliving it in 3D. And then, I want you to review that scene each day this week. Because then, when the time comes, notice I said when, not if, do you end up in a waiting room? Maybe even literally? You have that reminder to fall back into. You can go to that memory and say, yes, God was faithful then, and just as he's been for so many other stories, God will be faithful now. If nothing else, if it reminds you of nothing else, it will remind you God is Emmanuel. God is with you. And the wait will be worth it. Thanks again for listening to the Woodland Worship Podcast. I hope we've given you something to make you think. If you'd like some more information about our community, check us out at woodlanechurch.org or visit our Facebook page at Woodlane Newark. If you happen to be in the Finger Lakes area, come check us out live on a Sunday morning at 9.45 a.m. See you next week in the Woodlane Worship Podcast.